episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Classic Pickup Supplies, your number one Ford and Chev pickup parts supplier. Mention Classic Truck for a 10% discount off your first order. Classic Pickup Supplies, located in Coolum Beach, Queensland. Call 07 5446 2667. Or visit their website, www.classicpickupsupplies.com.au. Classic Pickup Supplies, dedicated to the restoration and preservation of the pickup. Episode 62. This week I caught up with Ben Lawrence from the Hunter Valley. Ben's got a really cool build. He's got a early 50s LC3 Morris commercial that he's uh, basically put onto a Nissan Patrol chassis and you know, he's done a really cool build on this. It's it's a uh, non-registered, non-engineered. Uh, just drives it on his property and uses it for events. So really cool because he's got that you know open book. You can do whatever he wants. So we had a great chat about it. I think the trucks come out really well, and uh, hopefully you enjoy hearing about it too. Uh, it's been a bit slack getting this episode out. I was up at the Bright Rod Run. Um, oh God, it's nearly two weeks ago now, I suppose, and. It was just awesome to get back out to a show and, and see people out having fun and driving their vehicles. And, you know, the Bright Rod Run was officially not uh, running, but everyone books their accommodation, they go anyway. And there were just hundreds of classic cars and trucks driving around the valleys. And, uh, yeah, I had a really good time. And we had a very impromptu truck show. I think we had about 15, 20 pickups all in one place. And it was really good to actually meet a few of the people that, listen to the podcast and you know that I know through Instagram and actually put a face to the name so great to meet all you guys and girls that came along and uh, hopefully next year we can do the big truck show properly in Wodonga just beforehand so anyway enough rambling uh, thanks for listening again I hope you enjoy this episode and we'll catch you in the next one so Ben thanks for joining us on the podcast mate I, I've been looking forward to this chat I, uh, I really love what you've done with with your build and it's different to most of the builds that we have on the show because we're generally talking about engineering and all these sort of things but you know you've just you've built something where you just let your creativity run free and i love it so welcome to the show mate how you going thank you yeah good mate good yeah cool so um yeah we'll, we'll get in and have a good talk about the truck but uh why don't you take us back a bit to you know early days as a young buck um sounds like you grew up on a farm what what were your early automotive experiences I think for me, it wasn't necessarily modified or custom cars. It was more growing up in the farm, out in the country. Uh, for us, it was more, you know, just having to do with what we had, you know, like just if something was broken, we'd try and fix it. Um, and that come from my my pop very early on. Uh, and then my dad was the same. Um, and both sides of the family, you know, being sort of farming country type people. Um, we, we were always tinkering with something, you know. Um, I remember early on, Dad, my dad had a VV Commodore wagon and it was a V8 four-speed and me, very early, fell in love with the car. Um, they sold the car and I don't remember, but I've been told that I cried and cried and cried <laughs> the whole way home in the new car because I didn't want them to sell the car. 
So I think I've always had deep down a, a passion for cars and, and everything mechanical, you know, not necessarily automotive, but just mechanical. So, you know, I think that's where it all began. And slowly over the years, things that I've done have just, you know, become bigger and better, I guess. Um, yeah. it, it, it's a lot It's a lot different, I think, you know, being a, a fellow country farm kid, you know, like most people tend to learn to drive when they're 15 or 16 with mum and dad, they get the L's and then they go and learn to drive. But I mean, I, we had paddock bashes when we were 11 and, and would drive and stick and, you know, like that was sort of your experience as well, I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> actually funny, I, I cringe at uh, the thought of some of the paddock bashes we had years ago because uh, the money they'd be worth these days is insane. <laughs> you know, to think that um, we had an old Tirana that we used to bash around the paddock and, and it just went to scrap metal because it was ruined, you know. But back then we weren't to know, you know. There was a couple of old Toyotas and things like that and, yeah, definitely we, we were into that sort of stuff very early. Um, and it was whatever we could get our hands on, basically. We'd, we'd cruise around the bush in that. So... A good times, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was typical of anyone in the neighbourhood whose car was maybe getting to a point where it wasn't worth keeping it registered or roadworthy. You know, it just got palmed off to the local kids as a yep. as a paddock basher. Yep. And yeah, we had a HT Ute when we were kids, and it was so much fun. And like, it was, it's a nice Ute when I think about it now. But same <laughs> thing, we just flogged the shit out of that thing. Yep, yep. We yeah. had a few like that, and that was the same. Like you said, that was a friend of a friend had this car that was in their paddock, and it run out of red joe and you know come and get it take it away you know and back then you'd jump in it you'd drive it home and it'd stay on the farm so yeah it was um definitely good times and i think yeah. it kept the it kept the bug alive you know with the whole car thing that's i think that plays a big part it played a big part for me anyway yeah yeah and you know even we had uh you know we had ag bikes on the farm and like you'd watch the guys doing motocross and you wanted a motocross bike. So we take the ag bike in the shed and get the grinder and cut off everything that was not necessary. You know, like all the, all the racks for the dogs to sit on, they're gone. And the, you know, the mufflers gone and like yeah. it ran like shit, but looked cool. You know, that was all the yeah. yeah. We had, um, not, not on our farm, but on a mate's farm when I was younger, we had, they had posty bikes, a lot of posty bikes and, uh, the things we done with them back, back in those days, um yeah it was it was pretty cool when you think back so so coming into your teens and and you're going to get your l's or your p's and you're going to start driving something yourself what what was the first vehicle that you kind of owned um i (laughs) i had a nissan pulsar was my first car and i'd always had there was a couple of old holdens that i'd looked at there was a hq ute that i looked at and i wanted to get it and i was kind of always sort of steered in the other direction to sort of get something a bit more economical and reliable. And, um, and and I guess back then I was driving about, you know, an hour or so to work every day. So it made sense. Um, but I, I always had that, that hunger inside to get the old classic car that I always wanted. So um, as a young fella, as a P plater, I didn't have that. But the cars that I did have, you know, the hot fours, I modified them, you put the exhaust on them, you put the subwoofers in the back, you do all that stuff like you would back then. And, you know, there was still an element of customization, I suppose, to uh, to everything that I had, um, even growing up in my L's, P's and that sort of thing. 
Yeah, it's, a, it's that classic thing, you know, you, you still see it now. You see some young kid in, I don't know, some random shitbox car and you're like, mate, why have you even bothered putting mags on that or tinting the windows or whatever? But when it's your car and it's your pride and joy and yeah. it's the only thing you've got, like, then you just do it. Like, yeah. The yeah. days of guys having stereos worth more than a vehicle, you know, it's it's cool. Yeah, there's like an itch though. You have to do it. It's an itch that you have to sort of, even though it might be the, the little shit box that you think, why would you put mags on it that are worth more than the car? But when you've got the bug and you've got it that hard, um, you just have to do it regardless of what anyone else thinks, you know, and that's been me the whole time. You know, I don't do things for other people's approval. I do them because I want to do it, you know, and that, that shows in basically everything that I do. So No, that's cool. Yeah. So, so what was the first vehicle that you bought that you'd say you were proud of? Uh, growing up, always wanted a Kingswood. So the HJ, HQ, something like that. And, uh, I think it was about 2016 that that dream came alive because, uh, it was boxing day, kicking back in the aircon, flicking through marketplace and, and one popped up and it was, uh, the next day we had the car trailer hooked up and, uh, off we went on about a three, three and a half, four hour drive. Uh, cash in the pocket, went out, looked at this thing and yeah, straight on the trailer, brought it home. And um, yeah, that was probably the first car that, that I'd wanted for a long time, you know, and I've still got it now and I'll have it till the day I die. You know, that's, um, that was my first project car and, and probably the first car that I've actually yeah, had a little bit of passion for, you know, so, and it was, it come from out West. So it had very little rust, so it was probably a perfect platform to start with. Um, interior was basically rat shit in it. Was, it was toast. Um, but we ended up doing the interior. It was that wagon, brown, brown wagon. I think Persian sand is the color, uh, which is exactly what I'd always wanted. So um, everything just fell into place with that one. So we had that running around with a 202 in it, which it had from factory for a little while and then um, I, I got the bug and I couldn't handle that anymore. So we ended up throwing a, a 350 Chevy in it with a turbo 700. So that's now sits in the shed and it's fully registered, fully engineered. Um, and that's our family cruiser. That's the one we chuck the kids in and we go for a spin on a Sunday afternoon or, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I, I always wanted one of them as a as a teenager because i we used to go down the coast surfing all the time and i had vn commodore wagons at the time because that was the cheap you know wagon that you could put a single mattress and a couple of surfboards in but yeah the the old kingswood wagons they had the tailgate with the wind down back window that wound down inside yep. and and then you could have your boards hanging out the back and that's all i ever wanted i just wanted to have a board hanging out the back of the yeah. station wagon yeah that's cool. Yeah, well, I scored the uh, the deluxe model, so it's actually got a button on the dash that winds the window up and down. Oh, so it's electric. It's a little wow. bit flash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, we're here to talk. We're here to talk about you know classic pickups, and you know you you've built something that I actually think it's something. I'm going to do something similar in the future because I I I love the challenge of trying to create what I want around the engineering rules. It, it's a frustrating challenge, but you know, you, you can do anything you want. You've just got to kind of learn how to do it correctly. But, but a build like what you've done here is 
just do whatever fuck you want. And and I really, I don't even know if it'll be a pickup. It might be like a little, I'd like to do a coupe with a, you know, like a flathead V8 or something like that. But just something where no guards, no like no rules, do some yeah. crazy hydraulics, do whatever you want, let your mind run free. And, and so I'm really, really interested to talk to you uh, about this build. So why don't you just let us know a little bit about how you came across it. Now, it's a it's an early Morris commercial. Um, did you buy a whole vehicle? Was it just a cab? I, I got a feeling you might have got just a cab at a really cheap yeah. price. Yeah, so the way it all began was um, I'd always, so watching, you know, Vegas rat rods and things like that is sort of where, you know, we've got a family friend that's got a rat rod um, and I think that's where the love for the rat rods came from. And then watching Steve and seeing how much, creativity and, and passion and how much of yourself and your own design that you can put into these things um that's when I've, i'm like yeah i need to do one of these and when i picked this cab up that was never the intention so back then my young bloke was three and he he, he loved just sitting in cars and just pretending to steer the wheel and do all that sort of stuff and um my father-in-law was talking to one of his mates one day and he said oh, i've got a cab in the back of my in, in the backyard it's laying in there upside down. It's been there for a few years. I don't want it. You know, does your son-in-law want that for his young bloke to play in? I said, yeah, sure. I'll go and pick it up. Went and had a look. Paid him 50 bucks for it. Brought it home. Unloaded it from the trailer. Sat there for a few weeks. I'm thinking, you know, how I could put a bench seat in it for the young bloke and a steering wheel. And the more I sort of drove past it and looked at it sitting in the driveway, I'm like, no, I can't. I've got it. I can't just do that with this thing. It's too good. I've got to do something with it. And that's that's when the idea first began. So that was back in September, roughly, 2016. We picked the cab up. Um, and then it was sitting in the shed for a while, and we had a few ideas sort of thrown here and there. It was going to go on a two-wheel drive chassis. Um, I had an old, I think it's a KB Rodeo chassis. We are going to put it on originally. Um, and then the idea of, putting it on a four-wheel drive chassis so that we could use it in more places and, and have it a little bit different. Um, was then thrown around. Um, my uncle gave me a Hilux, an old Hilux chassis. So we're going to put it on that originally. And then I was going to do the conversion and change it to coil spring. And then I'm like, you know what? I'll just go and buy a Patrol. I'll go and buy a Nissan Patrol, a GQ. I'll try and get a cheap one. Um, and then I've got the platform. I've got a perfect chassis, suspension, driveline, everything's there. I can just tweak it to how I want it, throw the cab on and away we go. And um, and when we started, this was going to be just like a quick couple of months, throw it on, take it out the bush, thrash it around, and that's all it was going to be. Um, it, it, didn't, it didn't happen that way. <laughs> it kind of evolved. Um, so, yeah, we ended up, it was a couple of years before we really got stuck into it. So uh, I ended up getting the patrol. Picked that up really cheap. Um, for some reason, I was stuck on the RD28. So that's the motor that's in it now. And that's the patrol motor that they uh, they come out with. And for some reason, because they're based on the RBs, so the RB blocks, they, they kind of, to me, they rev a bit harder for a diesel. Um, so they're the kind of engine that if if they're treated right, you can, you can flog them. You can give them a bit of abuse and they go okay. So... Um, Luckily enough, the GQ that I picked up had an RD28 in it. Um, wasn't running when I picked it up. And I thought, that's fine. I can, you know, use it for parts or whatever else. But turns out 
all that was was uh, the bloke that was playing with it before me had a plastic bag over the intake when he was doing some work on it, forgot to take it off, and when he started it, it sucked the, in, sucked the bag into the intake, jammed it against the turbo, and it was basically choking the engine so it wouldn't start. So it was a really simple fix, and away it went. Um, you know, so that, that's where it sort of began, and then the rest... I guess just evolved from there. So, you know, one thing led to another and, um, you know, it, it ended up the way it is now. Um, but because when we started, all we had was the cab. Um, obviously, I needed a, a bonnet, the grill, all that sort of stuff. So we were looking at about, it was about 12, it was a search for about 12 months trying to find a grill for this thing. Um, and because of the Morris back then, they weren't very common. It was Chevys or Fords. You know, no one wanted the English stuff. So either nobody had them for sale, nobody bothered to put them up for sale. So it was a, it was a bit of a struggle. Um, I found a I found a grill, but it was way down in South Australia. Um, was almost going to go and get that or organise to have it shipped up here when I stumbled across a complete Morris that was. The cab was in worse condition than what mine was, but the grill and the bonnet was good. So that was only about a three-hour drive from home. So off we went, car trailer on, brought that thing home, and then that was basically the last piece of the puzzle. That way we could start putting everything together and um, you know, basically creating what we have now, really. So Yeah, it's, um, it, it's a cracker. So... We were chatting earlier and we were talking about engineering and, and so at one stage you kind of considered the idea of doing this to be a road-registered engineered vehicle and then talk talk us through those thoughts and then, you know, deciding to probably not go that route and, and how that's all gone on. Yeah, so when we started looking at it, there was... Um, because I wanted to use the patrol chassis and I wanted it four-wheel drive, straight away there becomes issues there with the ADRs because I would then have had to have brought that cab up to a GQ patrol, you know, ADR standards. Um, it's probably doable, but, you know, the cost involved in doing that would, would be extreme. And um, at that point it was like, you know what, we, I'm just going to build this thing how I want it built. Um, like I said, a lot of my inspiration come from a lot of the American rat rods and the American builds and their laws and regulations and rules over there are a little bit more relaxed to what we are. So I thought, you know, I'll just go that kind of style and just build it how I want it, you know, as if I was over there in Vegas and I was going to build it and just shoot it down the strip and, and not care what it was. So, you know, I suffer a bit because I can't just, jump in it and take it to work one day but um at the end of the day i've built it how i want it built and i guess that's probably more important to me than anything you know rather than being told by an engineer you can do this or you can't do that so um that that was just a big thing for me and the whole thing with the rat rods too is i, I think that a rat rod but they've got to have a theme um, you need a theme that can't just be built as a rat rod you've got to have something that the whole build's based around. Um, and for me, that was a little bit vague early on. I wasn't sure what path we were going to take with this thing. And then um, it was 
2017, late 2017, um, my pop got sick and I'm like midway through this build and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to make this in dedication to my pop and the farm that he grew up on. Um, and then that's when the whole farm truck theme began. So you see a lot of the key features on the car are features from the farm, you know, and to have those features on the truck as a road registered vehicle, I don't think would have been possible. You know, having uh, an old crosscut saw as a visor, I don't think that would uh, fly with the local coppers. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so that was that came off your pop's farm and he would have used that saw to cut trees down? It didn't come off the farm because a lot of that stuff was uh, had, had been, they would have used that style of crosscut saw, um, but that didn't come from that farm, but the same sort of style. But, um, you know, there's things like there's a crosscut saw on the front. I've got the old chainsaw on the back, which um, is something that, you know, represents what they would have used back then. Um, there's rabbit traps on the side that I've got opened up and they're, they're welded open and they're on the side of the tray. So you use them as a step to jump up on the back. Um, and that's probably one of the main things that it kind of, it's a bit of a reflection of how, how tough it was back then because my pop used to go out every night and he'd set 30 or 40 rabbit traps. And then the next morning he'd go out before the foxes would get them and he'd collect all the rabbits and then he'd skin them. He'd sell the skin and then he'd take the meat down to the local butcher, and that's how they'd make money, you know. And and that that to me, you know, things like that, um, it's it's very it's made this build very very sentimental, very close to to me and my family because um, because of the message that it has for us, you know, um, you know, and the old plow handle. I've got an old plow handle as a gear shifter, you know, and that, that just again, it just it's a a reflection of how tough they had it back then and you know how i guess it makes you remember how easy we've got it now and how hard they done it and um you know that, that's that, that was the key thing for it i think was just to have little memories in there you know i've got scrap on the back which is a dog that i made out of an old coil spring and um so we call him scrap um, and that, that just represents the farm dog because you can't have a farm without a farm dog every farm that i know has got one or two dogs or more um so you know that that was the thing so once we uh once we got cracking into that and there was all these ideas started flowing of things we could put on the truck and um you know that's when adrs and engineers and all that stuff went straight out the window because it was never going to happen you know and then the ideas kept coming so i want this i wanted this thing to be built so that you could take it to a car show and park it and somebody could walk or walk around it two or three times and you know see something different every time go oh i didn't see that you know and and that's what I've done, you know, tastefully without being over the top. I've tried to add, you know, little key things here and there. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's kind of where we went with that. No, that's cool. And, and I mean, basing it off a GQ platform, you know, you, you know, it looks like you're running like a decent set of super swampers on there. And, you know, you can, all this stuff's available aftermarket fairly cheap because, you know, they're pretty out of date now. So, you know, you can get a lift kit or you can get, you know, some superior arms if you wanted to. Like, you could you could turn this thing into a comp truck if you wanted to. You know, like, it's got that base that you can work off, even though, like, for what you're doing, it's just, you know, your farm truck. And, you know, I, I love the way it's gone. It's got a winch and everything on it. It's, like, yeah, you know, a pretty capable vehicle. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So we've got the patrol platform, but uh, it is 
now that it's basically done to the point that it is now, that is the next step for me is to do the suspension. Um, and like you said, you can go and buy stuff off the shelf, but that's not really my style. That's not really the style of the truck. So we're going to go and make custom radius arms for the front. We're going to do a custom four link in the back. You know, yes, you can go and buy the stuff off the shelf, but um, to me, that's not what a rat rod's about. A rat rod's about, you know, using bits and pieces from different things to make to make one thing work. Um, so yeah, that that's the next thing on the list is to do the suspension and, and make it as unique as the truck it is itself. You know, make it different. No, that's awesome, and you. You did some some pretty impressive um, bits of uh, manifold work for a twin turbo setup. Talk us talk us through that setup. Yeah, that was a bit of a trial and error type of thing. So I wanted the look of the twin turbos. Um, I thought it'd be cool just to have them there. I had a couple of turbos laying around, which were just the standard RD28 turbos. Um, and it, it, I'd never seen it done before on an RD28. I know the old Skylines back in the day come out twin turboed and it was a pretty cool look. And um, yeah, that was kind of the look we'll get, we're trying to sort of mimic was the, you know, two turbos sitting there looking at you, um, you know, the mad pipe work, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that, that, was, that was an experience, I'm going to say, trying to make it all work. Um, but unfortunately, one of the turbos didn't like what we done and it ended up blowing a seal and uh, yeah, it was, um, it was short lived, but it was an experience and I, I, I actually liked it. It, um, so we've got a show that we go to every year. It's the mud run up at uh, Gressford and that's, I don't know if anyone's heard of that before, but that's where a lot of, you get a lot of cool cars jump up there and we hire out the local showground for the weekend and they get a water cart and they wet it up and, and they just do fat laps you know, in some really, some really, really nice cars. And there's some other cars that are built specifically for that. Um, and the last few years we've used the Morris up there as the tow vehicle. So if something breaks down, I jump out and I drag it off. Um, and then we've got a, the old Harrows up there that we drag around the track to level it out. Um, so this year just gone was the first year we had it up there with the twin turbos. Um, and it worked, it worked really well, but yeah, like I said, we're out out of the bush one day, and one of them decided to blow an oil seal, and um, the, it come down to cost effective. You know, it wasn't cost effective to replace the turbo, and and to get turbos that would have worked properly, um, it it ended up just being cheaper for me to go and get something as a single that's that was a bit bigger and a bit better, and, and revert back to a single. So. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it was cool when it happened. Uh, it was something different, but with a little bit more tweaking, a little bit more R&D, um, you know, and a bit more spare cash to throw at it, we probably could have made it work, you know. Um, yeah. And it, it sounds like that's kind of, you know, been the theme. It's like a, a side project build that's been done, you know, true rat rod style where it's, fairly cheap and you know not a big budget build obviously and and that that's what's really cool about putting something like that together that you know it's not breaking the bank it's not it's not taking money away from the family and the mortgage it's just a really cool fun build that you're doing and and it looks like you know you, your son's been quite involved in 
whether or not he's hands on too much, but he's been there with you and he'll have those memories forever. Oh yeah, he loves it. He's he's got his own. So I brought a uh, an old things TF Rodeo um, that I've got for a, a future project. So I basically just want the engine and the running gear out of that, and it's down in the backyard, and, and that's his car. So he he calls that Rodney. So it's Rodney Rodeo, um, and, and he he plays with that every day. He's down there every afternoon, gets home from school. He's down there tinkering with that. Um, if I'm doing something in the shed, he's in there helping. So he's definitely. He's got the bug. He's got the bug at a very early age. <laughs> and, uh, you know, to me, it's not a bad thing. It's um, it's something that I'll encourage and continue to encourage, you know, because it's good. If you're showing some sort of um, initiative and, and interest in this sort of stuff, then, you know, I'm all for that, definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, this, this sounds like a project that is never going to be finished because, you know, you're always – and work on the suspension and change that and, and keep going. But is there an do you have a picture in your head of the end product or is it just it continues to morph as time goes on? Yeah, no, I don't have a picture of a finished product. I think I don't think it'll ever be finished, to be honest. I think it's something that there'll be an idea come up in my head and I'm like, oh, let's go and do that, you know, and, and we'll just continue to change it. Um, you know, I think that kind of adds to the excitement for the whole thing as well is because, you know, when somebody sees it and then they see it again in a couple of years, they they, they won't know what it is. They won't know what's going to be different or change or whatever else. So, you know, to me, it's it's something that by me changing something and modifying something, whether it works or not, it's not going to hurt anybody, you know, but for me, it's a learning curve and it's experience. So, you know, I'm not going to get to a point on that where I just go, yep, it's done. You know, I might think it's done for the, for the time being, but um, like I said, I might see something and go, yep, I want to try that on this or, you know what I mean? That There's always going to be improvements. Um, and like you said, it's, it's one of those, one of those builds. It's not a, it's not a high end build. It's not a big budget build. It's a, you know, we try and get parts from something else to work on this. Like, you know, and, and I think that to me is true rat rod style. You know, that's that's kind of the birth of the rat rod is, you know, guys were just grabbing bits and pieces from all these different cars to make one car run. So um, to me, I'm trying to keep that that idea in that thing as well. Um, you know, obviously, it's, it's got to be safe and, and work okay. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think it'll ever be finished. I really don't. <laughs> no, no, that's cool. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people listening to the podcast right now who've got a really cool build, they're never finished either. You know, like most builds, especially if you've been hands-on yourself and done a lot of the work, you know, I know um, Simon Holland, I'm sure he's listening. Uh, he's got this awesome Chev pickup that he built and, and we had him on the podcast in a previous episode. And and I reckon every time I see a post, he's he's just done one little detail, you know, and and you, you know, over ten years of owning a vehicle, and you, you spending a little time and tinkering, like you get so much detail into a build, and you know, it's like all your, all your little things on your truck, you know, the the spider web, you know, on the side of, of your engine and all that sort of stuff. Like every time you do something, it's just a little addition that you don't think much about at the time, but when when it's the sum of the whole, it, it ends up being quite a, a mm. big build. It's, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. So the the spider web on the side was something so. That kind of come from necessity because we had it out in the bush one day and then you know as we're sort of flexing through the bush and through the rocks and whatever you could see that 
where the brake booster is and all the brake booster lines, we're in a very sort of vulnerable spot. Um, and then we thought, you know, I didn't want to put a cover there and something ugly. So I thought, yep, yeah, right, we'll do a spider web. We'll do a cool spider web design and have the spider coming out. And, you know, that's where that come from. So I think a lot of a lot of the changes and a lot of the things that we do come from, you know, from that sort of thing. So you'll take it out, you'll use it, you go, you know, this could be better or, you know, we need to protect this or, you know, things like that. And that's why it's always going to slowly evolve because there'll always be problems that pop up and you try and do something to fix it. Or there'll always be things that you look at and go, yeah, we can do that better and you'll change it. Um, and like you said, I think that's the case for not just that car, but for, for any car and for anybody that does the stuff themselves and, and enjoys tinkering in the shed. Um, I don't think they're ever finished. I don't think any of them are. I mean, the Kingswood that I said that I have, it's it's not finished. <laughs> There's still things I want to do to that, you know, and it's um, it's just things that you do over time. You go, yeah, I want to do that. You see something that's cool, let's throw it on, you know. No, definitely. And, um, and so having now built a rat rod to a degree where you've done it your way, not worried about if anything's ever going to be on the road or engineered or anything like that. Is there a little piece in your brain where you think, oh, I'd, I'd really love to build one that I can engineer and, and have on the road and drive to a show? Like, is there a, is there a future build or, or is there a new build on going on that we don't know about? You know, like what's, what's happening in your mind as far as that goes? Yeah, hundred percent. There is a, another build, um, it's sitting there. It hasn't technically started yet, but uh, the, the wheels are in motion. So, yeah, we do have another rat rod in the making, but this one is going to be a – the budget will be increased on this one a little bit, and it's going to be a, probably a longer time frame. Um, you know, this one we kind of – initially, we slapped this thing together in about six months, you know, to get it ready for the first mud run that we took it to. That was, that was our time killer. Um, the next one we do is going to be, you know, we might extend that time period a little bit and, you know, we definitely want the next one to be fully engineered, road registered. Um, I actually have another Morris commercial. So it's the exact same cab, um, original chassis. It's a complete truck. So, yeah, the idea with that one is to use, use the original chassis, um, box the chassis in, um, maybe put a notch in the back and just have it on airbags lowered uh still rat rod style but probably a different rat rod style if you know what i mean like it won't be as won't be as out there uh, we'll still have our, our quirky little touches on it like we do but um it, it'll have to comply obviously to uh engineers requirements yeah yeah it's um you know if it you know if you if you plan it properly and you know you talk to an engineer and you get you get you get the whole plan in place so you're not doing things twice and having to change things like it's it's actually not that hard to do an engineered build but it's, it's i think it's the the time that you put in early and and then talking to your engineer and, and both being on the same page as long as you've got that smooth um like a plan like a architect's plan to build it um, yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're easy enough to build. Well, when I say easy, there's a thousand hours and blood, sweat and tears to go, but yeah, it's, 
you know, it's the way it goes. So that, that's the yeah. stuff. that's what we've got in the pipeline at the moment is we're, we're doing all the back work, all of that stuff. We're talking to engineers, um, slowly picking up little pieces, bits and pieces here and there, you know, like uh, the next one will probably have like a HK, HT front end in it. Um, you know, so we're collecting all those bits so that it's all sitting there, the engineer's happy, and then when we're ready, we'll just, we'll go. You know, it'll be, it'll be all systems go. Yeah. And and did you source much new stuff for the Morris Cab? Like, have you put new windows and rubbers and stuff, or is it just running all its original stuff at the moment? Uh, so the glass, it's got no windows. I took all the windows out except the rear window is the original window. Um, so when we done, so it's got a two-inch, roof chop in it so when we done the roof chop we cut around the back window so it stayed uh full size um and then the front because of what it is and what we use it for we ended up going with what um plexiglass perspex flexan whatever you want to call it um for the front so it was just easier than getting a piece of glass cut and because it's a you know predominantly out in the bush it was just it was it made more sense to go with that so that if it was hit with a rock or a, a branch or something like that, it wasn't going to shatter. Um, you know, so apart from that, all the other glass has been taken out just for safety reasons as well. Because hmm. I, I imagine a little bit of a challenge of a build, you know, like a, a Morris or a Comma or, you know, one of those sort of more of the English, I guess, style builds is that there's not as much of the aftermarket stuff available you know like i'm i know that ben from glass for classics could just cut the glass straight off a template or anything like that pretty easily anyway but you know like finding a door handle if you were missing one for something like that is is a bit more of a challenge than than dealing with a chev or a ford obviously so yeah yeah that'd be an interesting part of your build it was uh we've actually luckily enough i ended up finding a bloke who's fairly local to us he's only about an hour away um, and he's right into his Morris commercials and his Austins and all that sort of stuff. Um, and he has done an amazing job at sourcing a lot of uh, new stuff from England. So he brings it over. Uh, and a lot of the stuff he's also found local manufacturers uh, to, to reproduce original parts. So it's probably not as common as your Chev and your Ford stuff but I'm very lucky to have found this bloke that's local to us that he can basically get every little piece of rubber, uh, everything like that for me at a reasonable price. And a lot of it is either straight from England or locally manufactured. So hopefully when we get to that point, it shouldn't be a problem for most mm. things, for most things. But whatever we can't source, we'll just make it, you know, or, you know, find something that'll, that'll do the job. You know, basically, yep. and and so your your current truck now. I don't think we've ever mentioned this, but you call it Hunker. Yes. What What's the story behind that? <laughs> so basically, when it started, uh, I don't know if you've seen any photos, but like when it was just a cab, uh, it didn't look like much. Um, and then when we had it in the shed, I stripped out the floor because the floor was all rusted, and we had it sort of temporarily sitting on the chassis and. The wife would always come in and go, you know, what are you going to do with that hunk of junk? Like, it's just, it's a hunk of junk. What are you doing? Like, she couldn't see the vision that I had. And, and that's where it started. She'd always call it just a hunk of junk. It's a hunk of junk. What are you doing with this thing? And the name stuck. So we just started calling it hunker. 
Um, and it was a bit of a joke to start with, and and it stuck. And now that's it. It's it's known as Hunker, and um, our whole brand and everything that we do, we've we've named after that. So it's Hunker Morrison Co. is is our brand, and that's that entails that build, the Morris, and Co. is all the other builds that are you know that have already happened or that are going to happen. So yeah, and then that's. We've got Instagram, uh, like you've seen. Got a few followers on there. We've just started YouTube as well. So we're trying to sort of document a lot more of what we do now. Um, you know, and obviously try and get a following and a, and a few people that might get some value and enjoy our videos. Um, mm. Hindsight, I probably should have done a lot more with the Morris, but back then it wasn't even something that I thought about. Um, but it's done. It's, it's there now. Um, so hopefully all the future builds will do the same. And yeah, that's that's where Hunk had come from. And like we said, that was that was kind of the first build, I guess, the first iconic build. Um, so that's why we named everything Hunker Morrison K. So that's that's the granddaddy of all of them, I guess. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, so if people want to check out your build, um, you're on Instagram at hunker underscore morris underscore co yep um and then what what's the youtube channel called hunker morris and co easy yep so it's the same yep so only just fresh on youtube we uh launched our first video yesterday actually but um yeah we've got we've got all systems in place now to try and hopefully get a video out weekly if not fortnightly so and that'll be just Instagram for us is our, that's our jam. That's where we, we do a lot of stuff. Um, but I think YouTube will be, a, it's what the people have asked for basically. So it'll be a lot of behind the scenes. Um, so the stuff you see on Instagram is, is kind of the good bits. Um, and I think YouTube will just be all of the bits, I suppose. Um, which, like I said, people have been asking for a while to see more of how we do things and why we do things. So that's that's why we're doing it yeah no that's awesome real people doing real shit that's what i want to watch basically i i I was so sick and tired of watching these polished car shows with you know like half the shows just them being jackasses and fucking around or going to a go-kart center or something like i just i'm not interested in that i i'd rather watch some guy manufacture something bit by bit you know and it's funny because you know I, i grew up my dad can watch every ball of a five-day test match right and it's like there's no way i could do nah, that but nah. but i could you know like a one of one of the um youtube videos i don't know if you ever watched the series but it's called project binky you ever seen no, that? no i haven't no so a couple of guys in the uk and they're building this um it's a a mini basically mini cooper yep. um but they they're putting a Celica uh all-wheel drive turbo engine and all the running gear out of this old Celica into a Mini. And you wouldn't think it's even possible, but they build it. And there's not one angled bracket that you can't see them make in the in the show. You know, like it's they're about hour long. There's like 50 of them. Like it's it's a shit ton of stuff, but I love it. And I, I love his attention to detail. And, you know, he puts something in, he goes, oh, you'll find out later what that's for. And then like, you know, six months later, he'll be like, Oh, here's that 
here's that bracket, that's for this. And, you know, like he's he's 3D modeled it in his head yeah. the whole way through. And, yeah. And, yeah, so I, I, just, I really enjoy those sort of detailed builds. And, and But just seeing guys make a mistake and then go and fix it, you know, like whereas you watch a lot of these really polished shows that are on TV and it's it's just brushed over and you see like a year's worth of work in 30 minutes and it's, I don't know, I don't get a lot out of it personally, no. but no, that, I'll have to have a check out the channel, mate. I'll be a subscriber, no problem. Yeah, so the well, the first episode is us uh, going to pick up a few uh, iconic four-wheel drives. So we got an old uh, G60 Nissan Patrol that will be a future project and uh, from the family farm that I spoke about, we had an old it's a Series 2 Land Rover um, sitting out there, which was a paddock basher. It broke down. It sat there for about eight years. So I ended up bringing that home. And I've got plans for that. But that's that's the next uh, YouTube episode. It'll be me working on the Land Rover. Might be a few parts. But, um, yeah, there's, there's some challenges with that one for sure. I don't know if anyone's ever worked with the old English uh, Land Rovers, but um, especially the early ones, there's a few... Uh, very unique things that they've done with those vehicles that uh, that can be quite challenging and to source parts for them these days is not the easiest thing so i'm trying to i'm trying to adapt off the shelf easy to get items onto the land rover to make it um to, to make it a bit easier to maintain and, and work on so yeah I mean, simple things like the clutch, the clutch slave and the clutch master cylinder. That's what I've been playing with for the last few days. And it's, um, it's a learning curve. It's a headache. You know, luckily enough, that thing already had a, I think it's a 173 Holden 6 motor in it. So uh, parts for that thing are pretty readily available. But um, as for all the other Land Rover stuff, um, yeah, a bit difficult. But the plan is, like you said, is for me to sort of document and explain what I've done through the, you know, the course of uh, modifying things and changing things, and explain why, and um, hopefully give somebody some, uh, you know, some sort of an insight so they can do it themselves. Yeah, I mean, pe people, people love watching people doing stuff, and and it's amazing, like even things that are maybe not directly in your taste, but you can still see someone doing. A cool thing it's interesting to watch you know like there's the guy i'm gonna get his name wrong bad chad is that his name yeah Do you know that guy yeah, yeah yeah so he's i don't know what he's building it's this cab over land yeah. Yacht, bloody, yeah. Yeah. yeah i'm gonna i'll say it out loud i think it looks horrendous yeah. uh, and it's in no way anything that I'd, I'd be interested in but 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 full full fucking props to the guy like he's building it he's doing an awesome job yeah his YouTube channel is huge. Yeah. Like he must be making some coin, you know, and he's done some awesome builds as well. You know, like I've seen a lot of other stuff he's done, but you know, he just stands there and talks about what he wants to do. And then he gets in there and he does it. And then he, you know, and it's, it's not, it's not a polished show that you would see on TV, but it's, it gets people love watching it because it's different yeah. and it's unique. It's fucking awesome. It's yeah. cool. No, he's one that I do watch. Um, fairly regularly and I do like his style. I like the, um, yeah, like he said, he just gets his, his wife, I think Jolene's her name. She just holds the camera and she videos everything that he does. There's, there's little to no editing in the videos and it's very, it's just, it's raw and it's real. And um, yeah, that, that kind of style I also like. I think it's, um, it's what most people like. And I think that's, that's the feedback we get too with our Instagram is that how, 
how real we are, how um, people can see that we're real human beings. We're not being fake. We're not trying to be something that we aren't. And I guess that for us needs to flow on into our into our YouTube as well. Um, mm. We just want to be ourselves. And like I said, if we can give some value, we give some value. At the very least, we want to entertain. You know, that's the main thing. Give somebody a bit of a chuckle or, you know, that's that's really the aim for us. Nah, that's awesome. Cool, mate. Well, look, one last question I want to ask you, and I, I think it's a really important question I ask everyone. Um, you, you know, if, if you could go back in time to when you just got the cab and, you know, you, were, you just got the patrol chassis and you were, all right, let's put this stuff together and you, you could you could sort of learn from everything you've done right now. Is there anything you think you'd have done differently? Like the in hindsight, would you do this or that differently? Or do you think everything you've done it's just been really natural and progressive and, and it's all part of the journey and you wouldn't change anything? Um, probably one thing, and I did actually change it because it became a bit of a nightmare, was when I initially put the thing together uh, and I'd done all the wiring and all the electrical, so the thing's got headlights, it's got brake lights, you know, it's got um, a fan inside that just blows cool air inside the cab because it, it's, it's a metal box. It gets quite hot in the summer. Um, you know, everything was just basically the whole electrical system was done from scratch. Um, and when I initially done it, I tried to, I tried to tuck everything up under the dash and sort of keep it as clean and as neat and as hidden as possible. Um, and then we had an issue, a, a grounding issue, and then we melted a wire and to find that wire that was melted, that basically shut the whole thing down, uh, was an absolute nightmare, you know, and that's what that's the point when i said you know what i put it in the shed i ripped all the electrical out and i redone it and i done it so that there's covers that we can pull off now and all the wiring's there you know it's all the wiring's now hidden in i've got an old tnt box that sits between the seats on the back wall so you you pull a pin and you lift that box off and then all your relays your fuses everything are right there in between the two seats so that they're easy to get to you know so i think that in hindsight, if I thought about it, you know, a bit more initially, that's how I would have done it. Um, and it's only that, like I said, I had a problem. It kind of forced me to go back and, and rethink the whole situation. But apart from that, I think everything else has kind of fallen into place as to where I want it. I think the proportions, um, the style, everything looks good. It was just that one little thing is, is electrical and um, something that I'd overlooked. Uh, I hadn't done a lot of big electrical work like that before, like a full car. Um, so for me, it was a learning experience. But again, having having a, a wire short out and not be able to find it, and then also having the risk of you know potential fire, um, mm. it, it was it was time to rethink that. And it's now done, and it's easy easy access. And uh, I think apart from that, I, I think everything's okay. In my eyes, there might be other things yeah. that other people would do differently, but for me, I, I think I'm happy with it. Yeah, that's all that matters. It's your truck. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool, mate. Well, look, hey, really appreciate you know you having a chat and sharing sharing your story with us. You know, it it is just so freeing to to see that ability to just okay, I want to. 
put some saw blades as my visor. I'm just going to fucking do it, you know, like not like, oh, am I allowed to do this? Can I, you know, like just to actually just go, this would look rad. I'm going to just going to do it. And, you know, props, man. I, I, I'm jealous of your truck. I, I really love it. I think it's really cool and it's very unique. And, um, yeah, I, I hope somehow one day see it in the flesh. If I'm ever up that way, I might come and uh, chase you down or, or see if you're at one of the shows. But, Sure. Yeah, no, really cool and, and look forward to following your journey and, and your future builds. Yeah, well, hopefully with uh, restrictions easing, we're hoping to get it out to a few local shows um, in the coming months. There's a few that have been announced. Everyone's been a bit quiet lately. Um, but, yeah, there's a few coming up, and we're also looking at the possibility of uh, promoting it as a as a prop for, for weddings or formals or things like that so people can get some mad photos standing next to it, have it in the background, things like that. So there's opportunity. There's opportunity to get it out there. So, um, you know, there, there are a couple of things that we're trying to promote. And, um, you know, we want it, We want as many people to see it in the flesh, you know, as, as possible. Um, there's a guy that's a really big follower of us on Facebook, followed us since day one. Um, he actually had the opportunity to come out here last weekend and have a look and, um seeing it in the flesh and actually, you know, being able to look at it in every detail and, and touch it, he was blown away. So, you know, he just said Facebook and Instagram and the photos, although they're good, don't do it justice. So that's our aim. We, we want to get it in front of as many people as we can and, um, you know, hopefully everyone enjoys it as much as, as we do. So definitely. Perfect. All right, mate. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for having a chat with us. No worries at all. Thank you. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad. So please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast, and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day, even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket, you'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.